0: This is The Connection, a Dirty Free Hub podcast connecting gravel cyclists to where they ride through short stories about culture, history, people, places, and lands. Today, we welcome Jenna Goodman-Campbell, who is the Stewardship Director at Oregon Natural Desert Association, where she works to engage volunteers in hands-on restoration projects in Oregon's high desert habitats. Gina has been a key member for ONDA's staff since 2007 and is here with us today to discuss an interesting tree that you likely have close by to your house for those of you who live in the high desert. Well, Jenna, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome, Kira. Well, let's go ahead and dive into that. I'm really excited to talk about juniper trees. And actually, are juniper trees considered native or invasive species?
1: Well, they're sort of both. That's probably one of the most common questions I get when I'm out talking to people about Oregon's high desert, especially here in Central Oregon. Um, They are a native tree, most of Central and Eastern Oregon, as well as parts of Washington, Nevada, California. However, they have invaded far past their kind of native range where they should be found into areas like grasslands and sagebrush. So that's been problematic over the last hundred years or so for the native ecosystems.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Is there actually a way to tell the difference between a native and invasive juniper species?
1: sure yeah well so all all junipers are technically native but but there's definitely a a good way to tell the difference between young juniper trees which have invaded far past their you know kind of range where they should be found and old growth so young juniper trees they're pretty kind of symmetrical they look like a christmas tree they have a cone shape They typically have branches almost all the way down to the ground, and their bark is pretty kind of flaky. Whereas old-growth juniper are really gorgeous. They're like a life-size, like a giant bonsai tree. They grow to be more rounded. They have branches that can twist around on themselves. Their bark is really deeply furrowed and red. Sometimes they have kind of bare bare places in the wood, and they also typically have a lot of bright green lichen on them. So if you see big old trees like that, that's, that, it's pretty easy to tell that they're old growth juniper. And the old growth are also typically found more in like rocky ridges and cliff sides, places like that where they've been protected from fire. So that's another good way to tell whether the junipers you're seeing are kind of that native old growth or more of an invasive new growth.
0: One thing I also love too is I feel like those trees have a particular smell. Like you get used to it for a while if you're living in Central Oregon, but anytime I go away and I come back, I feel like they have a certain smell. Definitely, yeah. Some people compare it to cat pee, but, you know, it's it's a lot more pleasant than that. I feel like it's a little less like that after a rain. Uh Uh-huh, yes. I know you're talking a little about how they look like, but where are they typically found in, like, Oregon, Washington? Well, so
1: places like the Oregon Badlands Wilderness are a really good example of a native old-growth juniper woodland. Not to say you don't find young juniper in the Badlands that have kind of expanded into more places, but Oregon Badlands is a volcanic landscape um, full of all these really neat lava formations. And the old-growth juniper there, like some of them are literally growing out of lava rock. And so... It's a really neat landscape, and other places, you know, in the high desert would be like, you know, in a river canyon. If you're up along the canyon rim, you might find old-growth juniper there. So typically they would have been just more located in places like that, but now we find them throughout what we call the sagebrush steppe, so the big open sagebrush and grasslands And then they're especially problematic in places like around springs or streams or rivers where they have a lot of water available to them and they can suck up a lot of water. People have probably heard that. So those are the places you find them. But really, at this point, you find them everywhere. (laughs) They're pretty ubiquitous.
0: Yeah, yeah. You can definitely see them a lot in this area for sure. And speaking on the water, what are some of the impacts that we can see from the juniper trees, even the good, the bad, and the ugly?
1: Juniper are a critical part of the ecosystem, but then now that they have invaded into all of these areas where they wouldn't have naturally been found, they cause a lot of problems both for for plants and animals. So let's see, to start with plants, it's really kind of interesting how how resilient and amazing they are as a species. Juniper actually produce kind of a natural herbicide that will kill off plants around them. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so they create this like dead zone around the base, which, you know, you you will notice if you're out in a dense juniper area. And so they do that both through their kind of natural herbicide and also by intercepting rain before it can hit the ground. Even just like a 20% canopy cover can reduce the rainfall in that area by two inches. In the high desert, you know, there's not much rain anyway. It can really reduce the amount of water available for other plants. And then the other thing that makes them so resilient and amazing, (laughs) but is also problematic is that they have these huge root systems where they have both a really deep tap root that can go down way deep into the ground and access groundwater. And then they also have really long lateral roots that can actually extend more than five times the height of the tree. You know, it obviously creates problems for other native plants. I think people have probably heard the statistic of like how much water a juniper can drink. Of course, that depends on it being available. But they can kind of sit dormant for a long time and basically wait for water to be available. So whereas other plants might need water right away to like sprout and germinate, juniper are just sitting there waiting. And then when the water is available, they can drink up.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's kind of interesting how they can regulate Yeah, so it's kind of like they've been too successful in a lot of
1: ways. But that's also related to human activities on the ground.
0: You know, some of the research I was just reading about junipers shows that removing the younger junipers can actually increase water sources despite them being heavy water users. However, there hasn't been a lot of long-term study on this. Do you know anything about this or what happens when we remove the juniper trees?
1: yeah so we we haven't conducted like formal studies but we've done a lot of juniper removal and seen a lot of the impacts on the ground and so with the oregon natural desert association we focus on young juniper that can be removed mostly with hand tools and then make way for other plant species where we are so like on a small stream you know we might come back in and plant things like willow, chokecherry, wild rose, other plants that are going to be really beneficial for the the stream ecosystem. Right. And especially in the high desert where, you know, some of these streams are what we call intermittent. You know, they don't flow year-round. And so juniper, both increasing stream flows and increasing the amount of water that's reaching the ground.
0: Yeah, that's good to know because you would think with the large water that they consume, that it wouldn't be the case. So that's interesting that they're starting to look into that more. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's some some
1: types of juniper removal can be, you know, can do more harm than good. So it's something that we mm-hmm. are very careful about. And, you know, using using things like bulldozers or kind of heavy machinery, people should appreciate juniper for what they are, which is a very hardy and resilient native species of the high desert while also kind of being thoughtful about where they're supposed to be
0: and how we're managing that as humans. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you meeting with us today. You're welcome. Thank you. If you'd like to learn a little bit more about ONDA's mission or some volunteer opportunities, you can go to onda.org slash trips. Dirty Free Hub is a nonprofit organization fueled by your generous contributions. Find us at dirtyfreehub.org.